Leadership team asked me to do something this morning. That is to kind of let us let you know how we got here, okay? Um, last night, how many of you here last night? Man, a lot of you. So what I'm going to say, you've already heard, okay? So this is for everybody else, and you're just going to hear it again. So just kind of close your ears for a few minutes if you're here last night. Uh, great time last night of sharing together and questions and whatever. Um, but th- this is kind of where we are. A year and a half ago, do what? Jake's talking to me. Jake, I'm sorry you're not ready yet. It wasn't Jake, it was Steve. Okay. I'm hearing voices. Is this even going to work? Second service, we're going to get this right, but c- come back again. Okay. Anyway, a year and a half ago, what happened was is that I came to a place in ministry where I said to the leadership team, hey, I'm not getting any younger. And they didn't laugh or anything like some people did last night. And the reality is is that I knew that uh, the day was coming when I would be going elsewhere, not because I don't love you guys, but simply because I'm coming to that magic age called retirement. Uh, Retirement for me is transitioning to something else. And also because I have aging parents on the East Coast, and I have kids and grandkids in two other cities, uh, nowhere near here, okay? And so every time I go somewhere, my wife and I just got back from a 2,000-mile round trip to see our parents and one of our kids. Uh, that's a normal trip for us now. And so we've done that twice since Christmas, and uh, it's going to get more often because of aging parents. So saying all of that, I realized a year and a half ago that we needed to plan for the future. And so I gave our leadership team a book called Next. They all read it, and then they actually did everything it said in it, actually more closely aligned than what I anticipated. So anyway, um, the deal was this, is that we, uh, as a church that's healthy, instead of just me leaving a certain place and retiring and you got going through this long period of, of no leadership uh, from, a, from a senior standpoint, uh, we said, hey, it'd be better to have a crossover. And so somebody come in as a lead pastor for a while while I'm still, still here, kind of work that way. Well, that was the plan originally, and it was going to happen a couple of years from now as I get uh, closer to my 60, age of 66, which is going to be three years, uh, three months, and seven days from now. And uh, uh, I don't know if that's right or not. It's close. Uh, but it's about that. But the reality is is that uh, we were planning that, but then they realized in their wisdom that uh, Pastor Bill was burned out and uh, needed some, some rest and some stuff. And so we started talking about another plan. Another plan was more soon than that to actually go ahead and uh, look for a new lead pastor. And then we'd already on, had on our agenda to, to hire another person on staff for adult ministries. And they said, why don't you transition into that position for your remainder of time here? You know, you know what needs to be done. We don't have to train somebody up, and they can, you can start from day one doing that. And so that's what we plan to do. So about a year, uh, year ago, not quite a year ago, on May 11th, I did a message called Leading on Empty where I shared with you where I was and also where we were as a church and what we're going to be planning. And at that point, we planned at that point to go ahead and form a pastor search team. And that pastor search team began their work last June. It's, it's, and they thought they'd get it all done in six months. <laughs> ha! 
it didn't happen that way. So they went through a whole bunch of processes, got a bunch of resumes, went through those resumes, 90 to start with, got it down to two, that didn't really work, and then started it all over again back in November, started it getting more resumes and going through the process. And so since last, actually November, I guess, uh, they've been in the process of this next round of folks. And in that process, what, what, the leader, uh, what the pastor search team does is they go through all these resumes, they start uh, narrowing, narrowing the field down, and then they actually begin the process of talking to the top candidates uh, on phone calls, listening to messages online. We have a world where you can listen to anything now. You can know stuff about people, and uh, it's almost scary sometimes uh, how much you can know about people. So that's where they've been. And so over the last few months, that's what's been going on. And so they narrowed it down to just the top two or three, and then they said, okay, who do we rank? How do we rank these persons? And number one is the young man, and I'll call you a young man, okay? Uh, I have a daughter who's a year older than you. Uh, so, uh, uh, so uh, uh, Jake uh, Mills and his wife Erin uh, came, came to the top of the, the cream roast to the top, and and so as we had actually Jake and Aaron come in with their kids uh, three weeks ago, and when they came in three weeks ago, we had the opportunity, a staff, leadership team, pastor search team, to interview them and talk to them face-to-face -face for three days. And in the process of that, asking lots and lots and lots of questions. And uh, after the conclusion of that was, and this was across the board with staff, uh, leadership team, and uh, pastor search team, uh, that Jake was the guy that we want to present to the church as potential new lead pastor. The only step left was him to come, uh, them to come this weekend to meet some of you guys. Last night he met about 200 of his closest friends now and, uh, and uh, did that. And then we <laughs> asked about 30 questions last night. I think that's about how many questions that we were asked last night. It took forever, but, uh, but it was good. It was good. And then uh, people have talked to them. And then today he's going to speak in just a moment and uh, share God's word. He's actually going to continue along the series that we've been in for the last several weeks, uh, uh, talking about the solas, the alones of scripture that, can, that are the basis of why we believe certain things. And so today he's going to be talking about glory to God alone. And then following the this, this, uh, messages today, I, Nate's already shared with you that those of you who are members have the opportunity to go by the uh, Welcome Center and get a ballot and, and vote uh, to call Jake potentially as our next lead pastor. Now, he has to accept, but I'm guessing since he's here, if we vote for him, uh, he probably will come. And so uh, I look forward to this. I am excited about this. Uh, I'm relieved by this that it's time that we go forward as a church, and I'm excited about potential for working with new small group leaders and doing those things for the next three years here at Great Oaks and getting that launched off the ground better than it's been. So that's all the stuff that's gone on, okay? That's kind of it. That's three year, or a year and a half in a nutshell. So this morning I want to introduce to you uh, Jake Mills, and he's going to come and lead us in God's Word this morning, and uh, we'll get to know him a little bit better through that. So Jake. Thank you so much, Well, it is good to be with you. Um, earlier with the mic stuff, uh, that was my mic, <laughs> and so I turned it on and caused Bill problems, turned it off, and I thought, oh, this is fun, so I turned it back on just to see what happened, and uh, that was good, so that's why I ran back there, and then um, our sound guy, whose name is Mike? Steve. Uh, Steve? 
Steve just played a trick and had me talk on the, on the mic, so that was just a, a lot of fun we were having back there. Now, it's good to be here with you uh, today. Um, if you're a visitor, I'm glad you're here. I'm a visitor too, so this is my first day. We can do some exciting things coming, and we get to uh, do that together. And so if you've been here 11 years, 15 years, or this is your first Sunday, we all start from today, right, um, as God leads. And so that's, that's an exciting thing. Uh, like Bill was saying, my name is Jake Mills, and this is my wife Erin over here. Erin's going to wave, and we've got a picture of kids up there. We have 97 kids, no, three. Uh, and so we've got Kennedy there in the middle. Joshua's on my shoulders. Kennedy is eight. Joshua is three. And then the best, you know, the most beautiful baby you've ever seen there is uh, Hannah Beth. And so Hannah is is a cutie and is our joy, uh, just like our other kids, and so uh, we, we love that. So that's my family. Uh, like Pastor Bill was talking about last night, we had uh, Q&A, and uh, we had a lot of great questions. How many of you were in here at the Q&A? Um, I'm a raised hand guy, so you can kind of look around. There's a lot of people there. Uh, we had like 200, yes, people, and uh, great questions, great questions asked, and so um, if you missed that, I am going to be hanging around here like 3 to 5 today, 3 to 5 p.m. if you want to come and talk and ask questions. If you're getting back from spring break or whatever else, I'll be available, will be available. But I don't want to take time uh, today talking about those things we talked about last night. So um, today uh, I want to just kind of open the scriptures and talk to you for a little bit about something that I believe uh, has great potential to transform your life. And uh, uh, so let me just uh, pray. Lord, we pray that uh, you would um, breathe into this next few moments as we open the scriptures. Uh, let, it, let the scriptures read us and not the other way around. Let us um, engage your word with humility and with respect and allow it to transform our lives. Um, let nothing be said that is not from you, or at least nothing retained or listened to that is not from you. And uh, just bless this next few moments in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me start this way. Um, if you have kids, uh, you know that they all go through the why stage, right? Um, it's that stage when they're like three or four, when they just keep asking why over and over and over until you flip out, right? That's kind of the stage. So you know what I'm talking about. Uh, my wife, Erin, would say, I never grew out of the why stage. I'm still asking why. Uh, she hates it, hates when the kids are asking why over and over and over. She's like, I'm done on number two. I tap out on the second why. Uh, but me, I like to see where it goes. <laughs> so I just like to answer the questions. And so like when my uh, son Joshua is like, where are we going? And I'm like, the store. He's like, why? To buy groceries. Why? Because you need to eat three times a day again. Why? Because uh, you're a little boy and you need to grow. I don't know, you know. Why? Because uh, we don't have a self-sustaining farm on our hands, okay? We just have to go to the store. Why? Because I'm not a farmer. I don't know. <laughs> and you get to the end, you're just like, we say that famous thing that parents say, right? Because what? I said so. Great parenting. Just great parenting. Because I said so. I don't know. All right? Stop asking me questions. We, uh, you and I, very early on, are, we developed this insatiable desire to know the answer to this question. Why? Why? Why is it this way? Why does it work this way? Why is 
this like this? Why am I like this? And eventually we get to why God, right? Why God? Why have you done this? Why did God act or, or didn't act? Why did, why did he speak this way or why did he not speak? Why didn't he get me out of this mess that I'm in? Why God? Why? You guys are in a series here at Great Oaks called Echoes of the Reformation. And it's based, like Pastor Bill was talking about, on five doctrines that kind of act as a framework uh, for all we believe and all we uh, hold to as followers of Jesus Christ. And so in the early 1500s, Martin Luther um, in the Reformation began the Reformation. Then later reformers um, also wrote a lot about what they thought was the crux of Christian belief. And um, this is what really matters. And they reformed, tried to reform the church, but began uh, this, this new movement that we now find ourselves in. And many years later, people looked at their teachings and what they wrote about what is the crux of Christian belief, and they kind of organized them into these five doctrines, and they're called the five solas, and sola just is Latin for alone. And so there's, there's five of them, scripture alone, right, grace alone, faith alone, those are the three that you've already done. Um, today, I'm talking about glory to God alone, and then... Next week, uh, Pastor Bill is going to preach on uh, Christ, Christ alone. And so um, that's where we're at. And uh, if you miss those messages, uh, make sure you get them online because these five doctrines kind of go better as a package deal uh, so that you understand um, what's, what's going on here. So um, glory uh, to God alone. The Latin is soli deo gloria, soli deo gloria, glory to God alone. And I'll be honest with you, this is not... Um, the easiest doctrine to accept, um, especially in our culture and in our day. Uh, so it's not the easiest thing to, to swallow today. But, um, and, and I think people might say like, well, you're coming because, you know, you, you think you're going to be our senior pastor. Like, shouldn't you preach something that makes us excited? <laughs> like, shouldn't you preach something that makes us feel like we're awesome? Shouldn't you preach something that like gives us a, a pithy saying or two to post online? And, and man, if it rhymes, it would really be from God, right? And so make it rhyme. And so, you know, you might be thinking like, man, maybe you don't want to talk about something difficult, some difficult truth. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's going to be good. Um, but if you, if you don't think that's the way it is, you can just blame the Great Oaks pastoral staff because they're the ones who decided on this series. So it's their fault. Um, no, but I'm kidding. It's, it's going to be good. And what you need to know about me, and maybe you can kind of catch this in this message today, is that I love talking about difficult truth. I have no issue talking about things that may make you mad. Don't you want me to be your pastor? <laughs> I mean, I love it. I love talking about things that are like, what? Like, how do you figure that out? Or what, you know, the tensions in scriptures or a thing that, that is like, oh, don't go there, pastor. Don't talk about that. I'm like, let's talk about it because it's in the Bible, right? And so um, I have no issue talking about difficult truths as they present themselves in the Bible, as God presents them in his word. And so I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be really good. So glory to God alone. Um, these, these five solas are, are these huge thematic type ideas that we find in the scriptures 
uh, all over the scriptures, not just here or there. And so what I tend to like to do, I was talking last night in the Q&A about this, what I, what I like to do is I like to open up the scriptures on a Sunday morning, and I like to just kind of plod through uh, uh, some, some passages and just talk about what is in the text, what is in the Word of God, and kind of stay there. And so, like, my normal mode of operation is to start out with, hey, we're going to be in Luke 15, or we're going to be in James 2, why don't you grab your Bible, head over there, and let's look at it, and then we're going to kind of go through it verse by verse and just look at what God says, because I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I, you shouldn't care a lot about what I say or what I have to say, but rather about what the Bible has to say, right? And so I tend to do that. Today, we're not going to do that because this is, glory to God alone, is, is this big thematic type thing that is all over the scriptures. And so there's not just one area that we can go to. And so to, to tackle a topic like this, we need to go to the beginning and we need to kind of show how this is everywhere in the scriptures. And so um, we're going to start uh, with the beginning, which is a good place to start. If you start at the end, it's kind of weird, right? So we're going to start with, with the beginning. And in Genesis, uh, we find our God creating the universe and, and everything in it, right? And he creates it in this, this perfect shalom, this, this peace, this, this rhythm, and he creates light and it's good, day and night, good, sky and water, it's good, plants, good, sun, moon, stars, good, animals, it's good. There's this perfection, this rhythm of God creating and it's good, creating and it's good. And then in that context of creating perfection, God creates mankind. And it was good. It was good. We were created in that context and they're, they're perfect. Mankind is perfect and they're created in, the, in this, this rhythm and this shalom and things are good and and we get two chapters there, right? Like, things are really good for two chapters. And then chapter three comes, and it's the fall of man, and Adam and Eve choose themselves over God in, in Genesis chapter three. They re- rebel against their good and loving creator. They take the love, kindness, joy, fulfillment, provision that God gives, and they respond with rebellion and selfishness and, and pride. They say, no, thank you. I'll take what you give me, and I'll have it my way. I'll go my way. I'll do my own thing. And the Bible says that we all would have made that same choice at that time. So you and I are equally to blame for this sin. But from there begins this spiral. Like everything is affected by this one sin, the fall. Everything becomes marred and cracked. And you and I, we were created with the image of God, right? With the image of God to to reflect the glory of God into the universe, into the world. And yet now everything is marred and cracked, disjointed and fragmented. Two chapters in Eden before the fall in chapter 3. And then the other 1,100. 186 chapters of the Bible is all about God's response to that sin, that rebellion. It's all about the rescue. It's all about salvation. The law is given 
to line us back up with the shalom and the rhythm that God created the universe to work, to work in. And it, it doesn't fix us all the way. In fact, the law's purpose was to show us that we can't fix ourselves, right? That we don't have it in ourselves to fix ourselves. And no matter how good we are, we can't possibly hit that standard of perfection. And so it shows us that the law is given us given to us to see that we need outside help. Then there's the stories of the judges and the kings, like Samson and Deborah, Gideon, King David, King Solomon, and a lot more. And they show us that, that even the best of us can't make things right. Even the best of us can't, can't pull it off. And then after that, it's, it's the prophets who come in and they say, hey, there's going to be a different kind of king. And he's coming and he's going to do something different and he's going to live perfectly and he's going to take your sin and your rebellion and all that came with the fall that cracked the image bearer that you're supposed to be. He's going to take that and he's going to take it on the cross and he's going to die for that and he's going to restore you and it's going to be different and it's going to be eternal and there's going to be this king there's going to be this king. And the prophets are saying over and over and over, there's going to be a king who is coming. And then Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up and he, he does it. He lives a perfect life, dies in our place, defeats death and changes the world. And when he ascends, he tells his followers that, hey, I'm coming back. I'm going to come back and I'm going to, I'm going to establish my literal kingdom on earth. You see, you and I were created with the image of God in us in Genesis 1. The, the, the idea is that we are supposed to be his image bearers to the rest of creation. But because of sin, we became cracked image bearers. But because of Christ, now we become restored image bearers. All of a sudden, able through the power of Christ, the resurrection power of Christ, to reflect the glory of God off of ourselves to the world, right? We're cracked image bearers, but we become, we become restored image bearers. We're given right standing before God, salvation, fulfillment in Christ. And this is, this is the meta-narrative, the big story, the big picture story of the entire scriptures, right? This is it. This is the story of what you read. So, so I wanna, want you to realize something, uh, just a quick scripture in Romans eleven thirty six. With all that in mind that we just talked about, it says this. For from him, Jesus, and through him, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever, amen. For from him and through him and to him are, are all things. So the ultimate origin of everything that is, in the end, lands in the lap of God. For from him and through him and to him are all things, right? All things, not some things, not just part of creation, but all things, the origin lands in the lap of God. But here's our, here's our burning question. Why? Why? Why did he do all this? What was the point? Why did he create? Why did he allow sin to happen? Why the rescue plan? Why? Why? Let me tell you what most of us have been told, and I'll, I'll kind of do a poll here. Most of us have been told that God created the universe, created all that is, 
and used his riches and his knowledge and his wisdom to create the world, to create the universe because he desired fellowship with man. How many of you have heard that before? That that's why God created everything, because he desired fellowship with you, desired fellowship with man. That's why he created us. Um, It's a great idea if it weren't for the Bible, right? It's a great idea if it just wasn't for the Bible. I mean, I understand why we say it, but think about it for a second. It's almost blasphemous, isn't it? That God, in his infinite perfection, was lonely? And his great God solution to his God loneliness was to create a bunch of rebellious, sinful, glory-thieving rats like you and me? I mean, that was his God solution to his loneliness? It's almost blasphemous, right? Listen, the ultimate purpose of creating you was not for fellowship. That kind of makes you the center of the story. And I'm afraid we're not even close to the center. Let's do this. There are two ways to view the scriptures. One way is that this is a book about life right? And so should I do this or that? We're going to flip through the Bible and this is a book about life and I'm going to figure out what I should do. Like, should I drink alcohol or not? And I'm flipping through and depending on, you know, alcohol's kind of all over the place in the New Testament and the Old Testament. So I'm like flipping through and depending on my level of fearfulness, right? I decide whether I should drink alcohol or not, yes or no. Should I see this movie or that movie? And, and we look it up in the concordance, the index, it, that movie doesn't show up in the Bible. And so we're like, oh, okay, so then we go back to the New Testament and we ask some Christian friends and we, we look at the Bible and this is a book about life and so it's gonna tell us and we find like this passage about meat sacrifice to idols. And we're like, okay, I guess we shouldn't see movies like this. And we make a huge logical, you know, just this jump, right? But this is a book about life, and so we're, we're looking through it. Should I do this? Should I do that? I'm going to look through it and find out. This is a book about life. In fact, we've heard this, that this is the roadmap to life. Have you ever heard that? This is the roadmap to life. Now, there are, there are maps in here. Uh, the Exodus from Egypt, 12 tribes of... Israel, there are maps in here, but I'm afraid that if this is a roadmap to to life, it's a very difficult one to read and might outright be a crummy one. Now, there may be some hairs bristling, right? But in the end, I'm up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I get a call from Great Oaks Community Church in a place called Germantown Hills, Illinois, a few months ago, and they asked me if I'm interested in being considered in their pastor search. So should I do this or not? Transfiguration. I don't know. I don't know. Should I do this or not? It's not in there. I, don't, I didn't see a scripture that said, go to Germantown Hills. I didn't see that. I didn't, I didn't find it. Yeah. Or before that, I meet an incredibly attractive, godly woman who I have tricked into liking me. (laughs) 
And so should I marry her or not? Some of you are looking at her going, the answer was yes. And you, the answer is yes, right? But should I marry her or not? And I, I look up in the, her name in the back and it's not in there. Her name's Aaron. It doesn't show up. I Googled it, all right? It's not in there. So I don't know. I don't know if I should marry her or not. So this is a, this is a pretty crummy roadmap to life. If everything I'm trying to figure out about what I should do or be or where I should go isn't in there. Can't find it. But what if... What if this wasn't about us at all? What if we weren't the story in here at all? Now, there are definitely commands that need to be obeyed and and discovered and explored, and there are demands from a holy and righteous God that we need to submit to. But in the end, there are two ways to view this. One is that it's a book about life, and the other is that it's a book about God. And this book, from beginning to end, will unpack for you that the ultimate desire of God's heart is not you or even your salvation, but rather the glory of his name. That is what drives the universe. That is why everything exists, not so that you and I might be saved or lost, heaven or hell, but that God might be glorified in his infinite perfections. Glory to God alone. Now, I know this is very contrary to what many of us have have learned in our culture and in our time, and so let me do this. I'm going to rip off like 35 passages of scripture to you. Um, If you're type A, you're not going to be able to flip there in time, all right? You're not even going to be able to write. I'm just going to do it quickly, okay? So I know that if you're type A, I said that, and you're like, challenge accepted, (laughs) Right? I got that. Okay? You go. You try. All right? You just try. But just listen online if you want to write them down later or whatever. Uh, But you're not going to be able to do it today. You can get the podcast or something. So I want to just throw this out there. And we were talking about the beginning. And now we're talking about this idea that this is all over the scriptures. And so I just want to kind of see if you can see a theme in these passages that I'm going to reference here. Ezekiel 20, 5 through 9 says that God held back from destroying Israel in the desert for his namesake, the, na- the sake of his name. Psalm 106, 6 through 8 says, yet he saved them for his namesake. So why are men saved? For the namesake of Christ, for the namesake of God. God, so that he might be known and make known his mighty power. Exodus 14, 4 and 18 says that Pharaoh's heart was hardened for the glory of God. 1 Samuel 12, 19 through 23 says the beginning of the Israeli monarch was about the glory of God. Psalm 25, 11 says, for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt for it is great. Psalm 23, 3, if you've been in church long, you have a coffee cup or a book or a t-shirt or a bumper sticker that has something about the 23rd Psalm. And it says this, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. 1 Kings 8, 41 through 45 says Solomon dedicates the temple for the glory of God. 2 Samuel 7.23 says, Israel became great and powerful among the nations for the glory of God. Isaiah 48.9-11 says, God does not destroy Israel when they decide uh, not to serve him. Because he did not want his name blasphemed among the nations. 
In Malachi 2, 2, he decides to destroy Israel because they would not set it in their hearts to give glory to his name. John 17, 4, 7, 18, 4, 34, all say that Jesus' life and ministry was about the glory of God. John 12, 27 through 28 says the cross of Jesus was about the glory of God. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6 says that you and I are saved to the praise of his glorious grace. 1 Corinthians 10.31, 1 Peter 4.11, Matthew 5.16 all say that the Christian life is about the reflection of the glory of God off of our lives into the universe. 2 Thessalonians 1.9-10 says that the second coming of Christ is about the consummation of the glory of God. Revelation 21.23 says that all things, the consummation of all things is that God might be praised. This is the story of the Bible. Not you, not me, God. God alone, God's name alone, God's glory alone, God who is deep in riches, God who is deep in wisdom and knowledge, God who created everything that is or everything that will be, not you and me. And I could take these 35 passages of Scripture, rip them out, and throw in another 35 passages of Scripture because this is the story of the entire Bible. There is no court you can complain to. This is God and God alone standing supreme in all of the Bible. There is no court you could complain to. There is no high court that you could argue with God in. He and he alone is God and has created all things for the glory and exaltation of his name. Which means God gives us gifts. And they're good gifts. He gives us good things. So he gives us the gift of sex, and it's a, it's a great gift. God's, God's given us that gift, but he did not give us that gift so that joy might be consummate in the act itself, but rather in the gift given to us, we might be overwhelmed by the grace and the goodness of God, and we might worship God through the gift given to us. Are you tracking with me? That's a thing I say, and you say Yes. You tracking with me? Yeah. God gives us, we could go down the list here. He gives us good food and good things to drink, not so that we would gorge ourselves on things, but that as we took a bite of good food, something in the deepest part of our soul would begin to say, God is so good that he would give us this food to eat. Then we would somehow glory, give glory to God's name in that. It would bubble up into worship of God's name. And here's why this matters. Because outside of an understanding of God like this, everything becomes surface. Everything from work to dinner to sex to marriage to kids, it's all shallow, it's all trivial. But with an understanding like this, when you understand that the driving force behind everything is the glory of God, all of a sudden there's this immense amount of joy because everything we do is carried to a deeper level, right? This lines us up with how things are created to be in the universe. And maybe you're saying, yeah, but you're a pastor, you're supposed to, you get paid to say stuff like that. Yeah. But surely, even as just a study of humanity, you can't argue with the fact 
that we are wired to worship something. We are wired to worship something. All right, so, so we've got all these wars going on. Half of, the, half of the world is in such an unbelievable mess. Can someone explain to me why when I looked at the news this last week, I had to read about NFL Commissioner Goodell's announcement that we're going to have less commercials in football games? Or why did I have to read about the fact that Gwyneth Paltrow is going to start selling vitamins? Can someone explain to me why any of us care, care about Lady Annabellum's heartbreak or Lindsay Lohan's new show? Don't get me wrong. I'm not a hater. Go Lohan, go, all right? <laughs> go Lohan, go. I'm not a hater. That's not what I'm saying. But surely you can see that we have to worship something. Grown men paint their bodies and surf endless websites to follow a sports team. A group of 20-something-year-olds sweating on a field. Go to any concert and you'll see people lift their hands out of nowhere and be spiritually moved by music. People fish, they hunt, they shop, they do all these things. They just want to worship something. We put posters on our walls. We get tattoos. We've got to worship something. It's innate in us. It's the way God created the universe to work. It's the way God created you to work. But what's happened is mankind has taken this innate desire to worship given to them by God for God. And instead of using that gift of worship from God for God, they have wasted it on stuff that God made. So the question you have to ask yourself is, why? Why do you do what you do? Why do you earn money? Why do you buy the things you buy? Why do you go to the places you go? Why? If each of those things, like spokes on a wheel, does not lead to the center that is giving glory to God's name, then you've got a problem. You've got a problem. Listen, beloved, Soli Deo Gloria. It's not glory to God first. It's glory to God alone. That's different, isn't it? It's not glory to God first. It's glory to God alone. This is huge. Just focus in for just a couple more minutes. A lot of times we talk about putting God first, right, in our lives. And I understand what we mean by that. But I don't think God wants to be here first. I think he wants to be here only. I think he wants to be it we, we kind of have this idea that it's separate and compartmentalized, God first. And so we go, okay, I'm going to put God first. Here's God. He's first in my life. And then I'm going to put family second, right? And then I'm going to put, or whatever, marriage second, kids third. Then I'm going to have my career. Then I'm going to have like hobbies or whatever. And we start to make this list and we go, but God is first. And what happens when we do that is we tend to build walls in between those things and we don't allow God into these other compartments of our lives. And so all of a sudden we're going, what is it that I have to do to ease my conscience to make myself feel like I'm putting God first? What is it that I have to do to put God first and have everybody else think that I'm putting God first? Like how much money do I need to give to the church to say that God is first? How how many times do I have to come to church in a month to say that God is first? How many times a week do I need to wear a Christian t-shirt so that people know that God is first? Is one bumper sticker good enough or should I add the fish too? 
to, to make sure that God is first and I've eased my conscience. We, we, we laugh, but this is kind of what we do. And once we've figured that out, we turn to these other areas of our life, work, marriage, kids, hobbies, friends, whatever, and we keep them separate and we do the same thing with them. What is it that I have to do and spend to, to make sure that, that this justifies the ranking that I have given it? So I give family ranking number two. So what do I have to do to make sure that, that it's actually in two? And then I've got number three and okay, now I'm going to think about three. What do I do to make sure that this justifies the ranking that I've given it? But if we change from a God-first mentality to a God-alone mentality, then we're not making lists anymore, are we? It's back to the spokes on a wheel leading to the same place. So now I don't have it all separated out. God here, marriage here, kids here, work here. I don't have it all separated out. Now I'm not just giving, glo- giving glory to God during church and, and when I'm doing church things, but it's everywhere. It's all over. Now I'm looking at my marriage, and I'm looking at how I treat my husband or my wife, and I'm going, how can I glorify God in the way that I interact with my wife? How can I glorify God in that? How can I act out soli deo gloria in my marriage? And we're looking at our kids, and we're going, how can I glorify God in this, and how I spend time with them, and how I speak to them, and how I teach them? How can I glorify God in my parenting? How can I act out soli deo gloria with my kids and then we look at work and I'm going to work and and work isn't separate from God work isn't different from church because it's not God first it's God alone and so now work is just a not just a, a mundane thing that I have to do it's part of something bigger and so I'm driving to work praying, God, help me glorify you in my job today, in the way that I interact with my coworkers, in the way that I interact with people I lead and people who lead me. God, help me. How do I glorify your name? How do I act out solely Dale Gloria at my job today? You see the difference? It's God alone. Glory to God alone. Not just God first or glory to God first. If you'll allow the Holy Spirit to reorient your life and your heart in this way, it will not only mean that you've finally fully given your life over to God. It'll not only mean that someday you'll be in heaven and have ultimate joy and all of that. It'll mean joy right now, right here. There'll be no more mundane. There'll be no more going through the motions. There'll be no more empty ritual or worshiping of the stuff that God has made. Because everything you do will be for one purpose, glory to God alone. Every good thing will lead you to worship his name. Every trial will lead you to give glory to God alone. Every mile you drive, every report you fill out, every diaper you change, every client you meet with will be about the glory of God in that moment. It'll all be for the glory of God alone. We're all like that three-year-old. Like Joshua, my son, we have this insatiable desire to answer the, the why question. But listen, the final answer, you guys are excited to hear what the final answer is in the why string with the three-year-old. The final answer after which there can be no other answers is for the glory of God. 
Why did God create the world? Why did he initiate his plan of salvation? Why did Jesus die on the cross for the glory of God? But not just questions like that, also questions like this. Why do I exist? What, what is my purpose? Why do I go to work for the glory of God? Why do I have to deal with my kids' issues for the glory of God alone? Why do I have to do the same thing every day? Get up, get the kids ready, get the kids fed, get them in the van, get them to school, co- go to work, come back home, get the kids fed again because they're always hungry, and put them to bed, go to sleep, wake up, do it over, hit repeat. Why do I have to do that every single day for the glory of God alone? Why am I suffering? Why am I in this hard time? Why is this so difficult? God's getting me somewhere, teaching me something, working in me to make me more like Jesus. It's for the glory of God. Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, glory to God alone. Next week, Christ alone. Just in time for Easter. Don't miss it. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that your word would go deep into our hearts and find good soil. That the seed of your word would go deep into our hearts and find good soil. That roots would begin to grow deep. And that actions would be taken. Lord, that you would transform us from the person who has been a Christian for all their lives. They can't remember a time they weren't in church. To the one who is, is new here or has just given their lives to Christ or, or is just trying to figure all this out. We pray today that we would leave here a little different than we came in. Everybody. That we would leave here a little different than we came in. Let everything that was said from me fall to the wayside. But if it was from you, Lord, let it haunt us this week. Let it not easily leave our minds and our hearts. As we continue in an attitude of prayer and you're just, you're just praying and asking God to speak to you, I don't want you to miss a chance to make a decision today. If you haven't ever really centered your life on the glory of God through Christ, if when you're honest, you'd say that you live a lot of your life for yourself or for your family or whatever, not for God, then just take a moment right now with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, you're praying. Just take a moment just to make that decision. Take a moment to fix that, to change that. You don't need a priest. You don't need holy water. You don't even need a pastor to come over and lay a hand on you. You can do it right here, right now. Just say, God, I need you. I want to make this right. And the Holy Spirit will help you do that. Don't miss this chance today to center your life, everything, not making lists, but like, a sp- like spokes on a wheel, center your life on God and on his glory. If you haven't already surrendered your life to Christ, do that right now. Lord, I pray for the boldness not only to hear, but to listen. The courage not only to think about this, but to take action. Conform us into your image, oh God, we pray today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Pastor Nate's going to lead us in one more worship song. Thank you so much for being here today. And I'll be around at three if you want to ask me questions or whatever. Why don't you stand? Amen.